Hello and welcome to the Intentional Family Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel, joined by my husband, Mike. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm kind of feeling a little punchy. <laughs> Maybe because we're going to talk about conflict. All right, let's do it. I love me some conflict. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Hence the friction. No. We are going to talk about conflict. To start us off, I think we all know what conflict is, but we wanted to share something recently that happened, our most recent fight, conflict, whatever you want to call it, where I jumped into a situation to try and be a problem solver when I was asked to help out in a family relationship that we have where their child needed some help. And I was like, oh yeah, I'll jump in and I'll do it without talking to Mike and seeing what he thought about it. And when this came up and this person was, we were doing our thing together. He was like, what are, what are you doing? Not in front of him, but we had this talk later. He's like, I totally disagree with you doing this right now. And I didn't understand because I have a big heart. I, not that he doesn't, but I'm just like a, I want to pro- solve the problems. I want to keep the peace no matter what. I want to help out Johnny on the spot. Put you, me in the game. You are the nice one. <laughs> I am. Yes, I am the nice one. So I just want to be a helper. That's true. <laughs> and I love, and I really, really love these people. Okay. But we disagreed. I should clarify here that uh, you're being very gracious in agreeing to use this as an example, because I said we should have an example of a conflict that we went through recently. Uh, there's lots of other times that I do stupid stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why you thought of this one, because it this was, was my the most, problem. No, this I'm is the most teasing. recent one. Yeah, we both no, were good. having a, a hard time coming up with a conflict or a fight that we could talk about. And I think there's a couple reasons for that, which we'll get into a little bit later, maybe on like how you can avoid conflict because a lot of it comes down to just not being on the same page and not communicating consistently. That's kind of where this one started is you had made this decision and we kind of talk about things that the day before, like, Hey, what's tomorrow look like for you in the evening? And you said, Oh, by the way, so-and-so's coming over tomorrow. And I was like, what, what, why, you know? And then we dug into it a little bit further and I understood kind of the motivation behind it. And I, I didn't really see the situation the exact same way that, that you did. I think in this particular situation, you could say that, you know, maybe I saw it a little bit more clearly than, than you did because of your big heart and you want to keep the peace and you want to solve people's problems. Right. Which there is nothing wrong. That's an admirable trait. That's one of the, one of the things I love about you. (laughs) (laughs) But in this particular case, we talked about it a little bit after, uh, I said, you know, I don't, I don't think this is a, a, the right thing to do. To help them. Yeah. And we did have a little bit of back and forth yeah. there before we got on the same page, which so I is, didn't agree. Yeah. <laughs> at all. <laughs> we, we got there though. And that's the, the thing is like, we have to go into that conflict willing to have your mind be changed. Yeah. Uh, not just you have to fall in line with me. I have to be willing to see it the other way too. And there have right. been times that that is, has happened. This particular one, you know, we had some back and forth. We got on the same page and uh, it was it was fine. We kind of agreed that like, okay, next time this comes up, this is the way we're going to handle it. Yeah. And that actually happened. It, we had the opportunity to interact with this individual again and we did it in a much more positive way. It was much more impactful. You were able to have the, you were able to bring the help and show the love that you wanted to in the first place, but yes. because it was expressed differently, kind of on our terms, it was a totally different type of 
situation, totally different feeling. And I feel like it was much more impactful. I guess time will tell, but. Yeah. And it's recognizing that there is a right way to help someone. And there is another way that can be enabling a situation. And I had to recognize that. I had to separate my personal feelings and connection with this person and this family and to step back and really see what would hit the mark. What would Mm -hmm. really, because what I really wanted is to help them personally, but then also to grow the relationship that we have and not hinder it. And the first situation was hindering the relationship in the way I was responding to helping. Yeah. The second situation that came up hit the mark. And it really, I don't know, it made them feel really special with what I was able to do with them. Exactly. That's the goal, right? Is that we we hit the mark. I like that you used that, that phrase. And, uh, you, you kind of mentioned at the beginning, you got a big heart, you love everybody, (laughs) right? (laughs) But sometimes love is not giving someone exactly what they want, right? which kind of leads into another topic here, but you know, it reminds me of uh, a phrase that the opposite of love is not hate. It's indifference. Yeah. When you just don't care what happens to the individual. Right. And in the moment when you're talking to somebody and they want something from you and you know that it's not the right response, they feel like, oh, this is, this is completely the opposite direction. Like they, they view you saying no as kind of the opposite of, of love. And I think that kind of leads into this whole idea of, of conflict and, and peace, because you kind of think of those as like polar opposites, but peace is actually not the absence of conflict. Uh, It's using it constructively. Yes. So before we, I, share my big revelation on peace that I had in the last year, I do want to share with you how I have a complete aversion to conflict. Mm-hmm. And I always have. I can recall my mom telling stories of me, even as a young girl, always trying to keep the peace in our home. I would do everything I could to make sure everyone was happy and there was no fighting, which you know doesn't always go well when you're four siblings and single parent family. <laughs> <laughs> And I am currently a recovering people pleaser. People laugh when I say that. (laughs) It sounds really funny and silly. But that means I naturally tend to avoid conflict at all costs because I want to please everyone. But that's not healthy or right. But maybe you, too, like to keep the peace and avoid conflict. To show how deep this is for me, though, even in second grade, the character trait they gave me was meek. I mean, what child knows what meek means? I mean, really, how many adults actually know what meek means, really? It's one of those words. We don't use that word. Mm -hmm. It basically means mild-mannered, submissive, and moderate. That is a part of my character. Yeah. And I don't necessarily love that about myself. And that doesn't mean I'm not strong and I won't stand up for what I believe in. Mm -hmm. But by nature, I want to be a peacekeeper. But I had to really learn what peace meant because I was trying to just do it in my own strength. Mm-hmm. And it just doesn't work that way. Well, on the opposite end of that is somebody who is constantly insisting on their own way and they're going to steamroll everybody in their path until they just go along with whatever they're trying to 
to say whatever they believe is is right. And um, I think I probably lean more that way because of the way I was raised, <laughs> maybe. But both of those aren't ideal. Really what you want is you want to be able to say, this is how I feel. This is the way that I see the situation. And you don't have to get your way, uh, but you are com- you are comfortable sharing your perspective. And then you are intently listening to the other person, the other perspectives to understand where they're coming from and to see maybe what you're missing. Yeah. You know, it's being open to being wrong and finding that middle ground. And sometimes we have conflict and we talk about things and I realize I was way off in that situation and you quote unquote win the fight, right? (laughs) Because you got your way, although it's really not your way, it's understanding this is the right way. Yeah. And then sometimes likewise, I say, well, this is, you know, the way that I'm seeing this. And you're like, oh, you're right. I hadn't think of it that way. And I, quote unquote, win the fight. Sometimes we compromise and we meet in the middle. All of those are perfectly acceptable resolutions for conflict. (laughs) Yes. And it's not a matter. It's not a tally sheet of who won what. The goal is not to win. The goal is to be right. Yes. And I believe that a lot of couples are opposites in a lot of ways because it brings different perspectives. And I found that to be very true for us. And in the last few years, as I've grown more comfortable in who I am and my, coming to terms with my history and my past and my childhood, I've been able to find my voice in a way where I am able to speak up more in what I, if I see something or if I don't like mm-hmm. something. Like I, you know, there, I am definitely the person that will just stay silent. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I've, I'm not, I don't tend to do that as much anymore. There's a lot of reasons why we did talk about, I believe episode five in our family meetings episode, us doing that very consistently now mm-hmm. makes a huge difference. The more conversations that we have, the more comfortable I am sharing these things. True. So this completely blows up the outline, but since you brought it up with the family meetings. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Uh, it always does, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's really the source of a lot of the conflict for us is when yeah. we are not on the same page and we have not had the, the opportunity to talk through things together. That's when we kind of end up going in our own directions and we're not in alignment yeah. anymore. We've talked about the power of being in alignment, the two horse rule, especially when you have a family and mm-hmm. kids are looking for where are we going. Yeah. It's important that mom and dad are in a agreement and yeah. you know, never disagree in front of your kids don't be afraid of the disagreement, you know, but have those conversations in private. For us, it happens to be on our date nights, yep. which is every single Tuesday. Yeah. It's been consistent for what, f- months now. We've been every week. Which is a big reason why when we were prepping for this episode, we had trouble finding the last time that we had conflict <laughs> because yeah. they're little tiny things that get yeah. hashed out in these family meetings and they yeah. don't have the opportunity to grow into the big things. Yeah. There's no resentment or ill feelings that grow because we just see stuff and we deal with it. And because we are having these conversations regularly, it's a safe place. Mm-hmm. Because any any relationship where there's no communication, there's no time spent, then there's no foundation to build on. And even if you live in the same house, it doesn't matter. If you're not, especially with kids, 
you have kids, you know they just demand your attention, especially some personalities more than others. It's true. But unless you consciously make the effort to set aside that time, it's not going to happen on its own. And we don't have like these big fights. So when we're thinking about like what example should we share? So when you brought up that most recent one, that was really good because that was actually that was before we were doing our family meetings regularly again. That must have been two months ago. Yeah. Yeah. At least. Yeah. So it just makes a huge difference just to be talking about things regularly because conflict isn't bad. Mm -hmm. It just simply means that there's differing opposing views and we have to come to some resolution. Yes. And really the conflict as it pertains in a marriage, you both have the same objective, the, the same goal, which is that we want to do things the right way. And we talked about how several years ago we created our Schmidt's operating procedures or whatever we call it. I don't know, the big document about like what sort of relationship we want to have with our kids and what are the things that we have to do to, for that to be true when they get to be teenagers. We're kind of entering into that phase. And I think we've, because of the choices that we made previously, we're starting to see some of the, the fruit, the of, fruit that. of that. Mm-hmm. That's way more important than me winning a fight yeah. or you winning a fight. Yep. We don't care who's right. We care that we get to that point where our family is really thriving. Yep. And that makes it, easy mm-hmm. honestly because it's a someone said one time that uh, it's amazing what you can accomplish when you don't care who gets the the credit yep right it's, so i'm not gonna lord it over you like hey remember that last time that you were wrong and, and i i was right and you should just listen to me all the time and likewise you're not doing it to to me right if we do then we're sowing those seeds of resentment um, communication is the basis of life Ed Cole said. Yep. And really that's the that's the goal with the marriage relationship between us and any husband and wife is you need to communicate regularly if you want that relationship to thrive. And when you do, you know, you're able to to see the the little things and correct them long before they they end up being the the big things. I think that's the the big takeaway from from this is like if you uh, want to avoid big conflict like those big fights that people typically think of don't let there be any room for resentment yeah don't let offense take hold Mm -hmm. you know if if you notice that there is that stuff it's easier to deal with it when it's small than before it's taken root and a lot of times uh, i i wholeheartedly believe this that the the big things in people's relationships they start off as the small things just one tiny little small thing and then they hold on to that and then it begins to to fester and then over months and sometimes even years like they just build up a wall between the them and the other person and that's when people get divorced and they they're not not willing to fight for the relationship anymore because they're so focused on that that hurt that they internalized yeah and they just won't let it go they won't deal with it yeah and I'm thankful that <laughs> we have a process every Tuesday where we <laughs> we clear the air yes. and we express our gratitude yeah. and we get back on the same page. Yeah, definitely. And it's so powerful because I had to learn that peace is a good thing, right? But we have to really, really understand it. And when there's conflict, that doesn't mean that there is no peace. It just means there's opposition to the peace. 
We talked about coming to an agreement. It's not about a tally sheet of who won. Yep. It's really about just being on the same page and communicating that. When I learned that peace is very, very active, and the phrase that came up when I was doing a study on what peace actually means, it's the phrase that came up is the peace to subdue. Well, <laughs> subdue, if you think about that word, that indicates that there's opposition. And yep. it got me thinking, and I just kept just, you know, thinking about it, meditating on it, studying, reading. Wow. Okay. So I am naturally ingrained to be a peacekeeper. Mm-hmm. What that means is that I am naturally ingrained to subdue that which opposes peace. Yeah. Then when that happens, we have that unity, that agreement, that alignment. Mm-hmm. Then there's peace. Then we're running and going in the same direction and there's power because we're pulling together. Yep. And peace completely combats the force acting in opposition. It's subduing and the resolution is formed and we can just run with it. And I had to see myself differently because instead of this like passive peacekeeper, I don't want to ruffle any feathers. I want to make sure everyone's happy. Yeah. That's not what that means. And that's not who I'm supposed to be. Correct. It's totally the wrong view of that character trait. Mm -hmm. In fact, that is sometimes uh, in direct opposition to the peace. If your goal is just to make sure that everybody is happy. That's superficial. Exactly. And you could be in a family with seven people like ours, trying to keep everybody happy is kind of impossible. You're going to go crazy. Yeah. (laughs) But let's just say for the sake of argument that it was possible, that you could give everybody what they needed so they could be happy all the time. That would be one, very exhausting. But two, it would not be very long before there would be an impasse. And now you've got people who want conflicting things, there's no alignment, there's no unity. And at that point, you've got to deal with a lot of emotional baggage. It's a lot harder to get through some of that stuff. But it's hard to see sometimes. It can be below the surface. You know, if you're not really looking to root that stuff out, if you're not really digging to see what's there, you could completely miss it. And uh, I feel like... This is kind of in line with uh, something we're learning about in our men's curriculum right now about sedition. Sedition is uh, not being fully submitted to your leaders. In other words, you're not willing to be wrong when you see things differently than they see it. When you trust your leaders, when you trust your parents, for example, then you are willing to say, yeah, I guess I don't see this right, and I'm willing to come under authority and be uh, be corrected, basically. Uh, when you start to think that you can never be wrong, when you start to feel like you cannot be disciplined by anyone or you cannot be corrected because your way is always right, that's that's going to bring the wrong kind of conflict. You know, you're you're gonna constantly be seeking people who are just going to be yes men, yes women who will say, "Oh yeah, you're right." And that maybe strokes your ego and makes you feel good in the moment, but long run, that's not going to get you where you want to go. You're going to have a very shallow, unfulfilled life trying to live it that way. 
yeah, finding people that will agree with you. We've talked a little bit before about how if you're the smartest person in your group, change your group. Another, This ties into that because mm-hmm. if you're just around people that agree with you and there's no conflict ever or disagreement, I would say that's a red flag. Yep. And in your marriage, if you never talk about things or have disagreements or say, I don't like it when you say this or this isn't working, that would be a red flag if you're, first of all, not seeing it. Second of all, if you're seeing it and just burying your head in the sand, that's not going to help anything. Right. Now, let's, let's talk about this a little bit deeper, though. Like you could say, well, I'll let my spouse point out when I'm wrong. But what about your kids? Yeah. What if they see something in your character and they call you on it? Are you willing to listen to them? Yeah. Or is it just shut up, Johnny, because I'm the adult and I know better? <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. You know, I, my kids have called me out before. Like, why are you so crabby? Or different things like that. I remember one specifically. <laughs> Toby must have been like four or five. And we were having a fight on the way home from church on a Wednesday night. Oh. And I remember going in the house and he followed me and we got inside and he says, Dad, why are you being so mean to the mommy? Oh, wow. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah, exactly. And I had to say, you know what? You're right. Four-year-old, right? Like, <laughs> it would be easy for me to be like, well, you don't understand what she did to me, yada, yada, yada. But you came in, I apologized in front of everybody and we made it right because I was willing to be corrected by my four-year-old son. <laughs> <laughs> and that's powerful. And that reminds me, we have touched also on forgiveness and how mm, it is important yep. to ask our children to forgive us when we mess up or we yell at them or et cetera, whatever happens. Because otherwise, what example will they have? If we can't humble ourselves in front of our family, then what, what are they going to do when they mess up? Exactly. They're going to reach a point of some form of leadership in their life and think that they are exempt from needing to ask people for forgiveness. I would say that's a big reason why we're in the sorry state that we are in our country of the United States. Mm -hmm. Because there's far too many people in leadership that they're way too big in their own mind. They're a legend in their own mind. But when we humble ourselves as parents and we can admit when we mess up we can admit when we went too far we can admit that oh i got angry i shouldn't have done that please forgive me because we will mess up there are no perfect parents there are no perfect people there are no perfect children and if you think you are fooling your kids and they no they know yeah they they absolutely know they have way (laughs) more discernment than most adults to be honest with you so the best thing you can do when you are raising your kids is to publicly apologize yes. in front of everyone for the times that you mess up because if you don't they're going to they're going to look at those times and they're going to basically say mom or dad are a, are a hypocrite. Oh, absolutely. They say one yep. thing, they do another and when they mess up, they don't make it right. They just pretend like it never happened and then yep. they're going to they're going to do the same thing because they're going to catch that that spirit, they're going to catch that example that you're setting more than anything that you say. Mm-hmm. I, I want to go back here a little bit with the whole idea of um, of conflict and, and embracing it, mm-hmm. uh, because uh, you have some <laughs> notes here about. Uh, well, why don't you tell the story uh, about Joshua when he was looking at the the notes? Yeah. So when I was preparing these the other day, Joshua comes over. He's like reading my screen. This happens a lot. I have nothing to hide. Whatever. I don't really care. 
And I'm like, oh, what do you what do you, what do you think here? And I asked him, like, do you like conflict? And he emphatically said, no. <laughs> <laughs> then I asked, do you think mommy likes conflict? And he said, maybe with a grin on his face. And he's our one with the dimples. So then the yeah. dimples are kind of showing. And I responded with, I don't like conflict at all. But as a parent, it is necessary. And I joked at the beginning that I actually like conflict. That is actually true. (laughs) (laughs) You like rise to the occasion. You're like, okay. I I have learned. I haven't always been that way. I grew up just keeping the peace too. But I have learned that conflict is actually an opportunity to set things right. So a lot of times you know something isn't quite right and you got to pick your opportunity to fix it, right? You can't just, as mm-hmm. soon as you see something, be like, we need to fix this right now. There are certain times when you can really impart something to somebody else. Uh, with your kids, you may call this like a teachable moment, you know, when they're mm-hmm. able to receive what you have to say. So for m- I, I came to the realization that when it comes to, to conflict, like that's the opportunity to fix this, the broken systems. Yeah. When there's conflict, that is the fruit of the broken system. And so there is no better time to point out that, hey, this is because of this system that is broken. Why don't we agree right now to fix this system? And so I, I feel like just embracing it and leaning into it has opened up a lot of opportunities to to make things better. Yep. Uh, it, because I tend to I tend to be the one who sees all the things, very analytical, notice all the details, drives me nuts when something's broken and I will sit there and I will stew on it for a while. <laughs> I I can't stand the fact that things are not in order, right? Just my personality. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I'm smart enough not to just as soon as I see something say something. Most of the time. <laughs> yeah, most of the time. Most of the time. <laughs> uh, but, you know, when we, when there is that conflict, it's not a bad thing that it's it's happened. It's an opportunity to, to set things right. And I feel like if you go into it with that motive, again, of like, I'm not trying to prove that I'm right. I am trying to get right. Mm-hmm. I want a right outcome. Then it doesn't have to be this negative thing and you don't have to be throwing punches put up your dukes that sort of thing right (laughs) yeah and when you come at it with you're going to be part of the solution not just pointing stuff out and then dumping it on me Mm, that makes all the difference because when i'm in the thick of it in a day the last thing i want to hear is there's another problem there's another thing broken i mean not that i don't want to hear it but you understand what i'm saying like if you're in the middle of a bunch of stuff and someone comes to you and you're like, well, this is broken too, or this needs to be fixed right now. And I'm going, yeah, get in line. <laughs> yep. But yep. if you come at it being part of the solution, being willing to help, or picking the timing, that makes all the difference in the <laughs> yes, world. <laughs> yes, the right thing at the right right time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I rem- remember an incident at a previous job where I was responsible for editing and publishing a podcast. I was not the producer of the the podcast. I wasn't the the host. I wasn't on it, Uh, but I did all the technical stuff. And there was one episode that that got published early. And I don't think it was something that I did, but I wanted to figure out how it happened. Uh, There were some some other people who were involved with the, the process, and I was trying to figure out, well, this person 
like press the wrong button, yada, yada, yada. And I remember the, the person in charge of the company told me it doesn't matter. Like just stop looking to assign blame mm-hmm. basically. Uh, let's just create the system so that this doesn't happen yeah. again. And I feel like that is a very important aspect of conflict. When you're going into conflict, yeah, you want to figure out like how you got here. What are the causes of the the broken system? But the worst thing you can do is point a finger and say it's your fault. You know, when a, with a marriage specifically, there is no you or me. There's just us. Yeah. So we failed in yeah. this area. Mm-hmm. So we will fix it. Yes. You know, it's not something that you did to me. Yeah, watch those pronouns. Exactly. It makes a big difference. (laughs) Yeah, you know, also when it comes to conflict, we judge ourselves by our intentions, but we judge others by their actions. Yes. So it's easy to look at the other person and say, well, they know this bugs me and they did it anyway. Obviously, they're trying to get to me. Yeah. (laughs) They're trying to push my buttons. Yeah, and even... Like when we talk right now or when I hear a sermon or I hear a podcast, when I hear hear the speaker using the pronoun you most of the time, rather than like we and including themselves as part of, you know, the problem or that could have made the mistake, I have a lot harder time listening to them because I feel like they're just pointing their finger at me and judging me. <laughs> yeah. And it's not that I don't want to look at myself for what's really going on. But I believe this is just something that is kind of a pet peeve of mine. When the speaker just puts himself in a position that it's always projecting you mm-hmm. to everyone else yeah. instead of including themselves and, you know, we do this, it really bothers me because I've, to me, it's like kind of arrogant. And mm. I know some people don't really necessarily mean it that way. Yeah. But it's just one of my biggest pet peeves. And I feel like when on this topic, including yourself in the problem and specifically like you just said in marriage it is our problem no matter what it is we are both part of the solution Mm -hmm. and it is really really important when i think of conflict now my perspective has changed i don't dig my head in the sand i don't just go into silent mode the silent treatment ew that's gross don't do that i've done that far too many times (laughs) (laughs) but when i have been able to see that being a peacekeeper is warring. Mm-hmm. I am at war to keep unity in agreement yeah. at all costs. Yeah. Because I know and believe that God put Mike and I together. And he is the second most important relationship. And I, apart from my relationship with God himself, and I need to do everything I can to stay unified. Mm-hmm. And that requires conflict to resolve that which comes against the unity and the agreement. Yeah. And that's going to be that there's going to be conflict one way or another. You're going to have to fight against something. And I, I think that people can get off when they have the value of their relationships out of order. I forget the statistic, but it is a crazy percentage of divorces that can be attributed to Facebook because there's conflict between a husband and a wife and the husband goes on Facebook and finds their old flame, someone who is willing to say, yes, you're right. And you just escape 
the the situation. But the problem with that is that you're never really going to find peace with that approach. You're always going to be running into those situations. And the more that you just like run from them, the the bigger mess you ultimately will find yourself in. It's much right. better to just take responsibility now and be like, you know what, maybe I'm not seeing this, this right. Yeah. Uh, and also recognizing like who you are allowing to speak into your life, yep. what effect Very they are having. Right. So not taking somebody who is a Facebook friend, you don't even know them in real life and they're making a mm-hmm. comment and valuing that over the opinion or perspective of your significant other or your spiritual leaders or somebody that's very close to you. Yeah. And I just want to say another thing about with children that in Proverbs 22, 5, it says foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but discipline drives it far away. Mm-hmm. Conflict re- is required in raising children. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> uh, it, it's continual training, sharpening, discipline, fashioning, modeling, it can be very exhausting work, but it's mm-hmm. very, very crucial. I love what Charles Spurgeon says. You are as much serving God and training your own children as you would be if you led an army to battle for the Lord. And that just reminded me of peace and it being very, it's very much a strong action. It's warring mm-hmm. against yeah. that which comes against them. It comes because things will come against our children and, and try and undermine who they're supposed to be. But it's our job as their parent to go to war on their behalf and to lead them into battle against everything that would come against them. And there will be stuff that comes against them if it hasn't already. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of something our pastor says all the time, to be a thermostat and not a thermometer. Yep. You know, you're not just taking the temperature of the of your surroundings. You are setting the temperature. You are in some form, you know, imposing your will, like you are the one who is affecting the atmosphere around you. That's ultimately what you have to do when you are seeking true peace. There is going to be conflict Mm -hmm. in whether you are going to be influenced or you are going to be the influencer. Yeah. And it does require active and not just active, but constant participation on your part. It's not where you get everything set and then you can just walk away and be like, there, now nobody mess it up. It, the moment that you take your hand off of it, it's going to be messed up. Yeah, it's imperative. It's continual movement and action. Yes. Yeah, and conflict is, if you okay, let's imagine a dull blade right now. A dull blade has no real use. You need a sharpened blade. Well, in order to sharpen an iron blade, you need another iron to mm-hmm. rub against each other, for there to be friction. And when they are both sharp, they are useful. That is what we're talking about today. Yeah. In Proverbs 27, 17 says, iron sharpens iron. So one man sharpens and influences another through discussion. I love <laughs> that amplified version because it kind of paints a picture that us in a relationship, a friendship, whatever it may be, sharpening one another, influencing one another, through discussion. Mm-hmm. And so when we don't do that, when we avoid conflict and we have a wrong view of peace, then we become dull. We become ineffective. Yeah. And we we can't afford that. We have to stay sharp. 
Yes. Reminds me of one of my favorite yes, quotes. Yes, I was hoping you'd say this. <laughs> I don't even know who to credit this to. The internet attributes it to Abraham Lincoln. but And there's different versions of it too. But uh, it's if I had you know, eight hours to chop down a tree, I'd spend the first six sharpening, sharpening. the axe. Yes. Stephen Covey talks about this too in, yep. in uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Principle number two, I believe, is sharpen, sharpen the saw. saw. Yeah. Maybe I have the number wrong, but that's the basic idea. It's yep. like, why make things harder than they mm-hmm. have to be? As long as you're avoiding conflict, you're making things harder than they have yeah. to be. Yep. Say it with me. Conflict is not bad. The absence of conflict does not equal peace. Conflict is often a metamorphosis, just like a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. Without that transformation in character, in the composition of the entire being of a caterpillar, it wouldn't fly. That's not an easy process, and it takes time. But when we endure in our marriage, with our children, whatever it may be, we too will transform and come better on the other side of it. Thank you for joining us today. We can be found at intentionalfamily.fm. Until next time, join us in living life intentionally. Intentionally.